0: what's going on people it's your boy kalichi back with another episode of the rambling mind podcast how are each and every single one of y'all doing today i hope y'all are staying safe i hope y'all are taking care of yourselves and i'm gonna start this podcast off with some great news with every single shot of this vaccine more people are going back to regular life let's just take a look at some of these stats of people are back to eating out compared to 33% in February. 48% of people are traveling and visiting friends and family compared to 39% in February. And 69% of people are staying home to avoid other people compared to 74% of people in February. All of that looks great. But then ironically, though, it is not the people who have actually gotten vaccines that are going out. It is actually the people who have not yet been vaccines that have been going up and down and going all over the place. But once again, I just want to say keep being safe out in the streets. A lot of states are opening up the eligibility requirements for you to be able to go get the vaccine. If you have the opportunity to get the vaccine, maybe get the vaccine and then, you know, go back to basic life. But all I want to say is we are getting closer and closer and closer to our version of a new normal of what life is going to be like from this point on into the future. And I, for one, I'm excited about it. I think I'm gonna go play soccer this weekend because I haven't played soccer in a minute and my body is like, yo dawg, we weren't made to sit all day and just do nothing. So we gonna find our way out to the soccer fields and all of that stuff. But anyway, let's get started with just looking back at what happened in the markets last year. Think about this for a second. If you invested $1,000 this time last year into Bitcoin, it would have become $8,729. If you invested that same $1,000 into Tesla, it would have become $7,714. If you invested that same $1,000 into the NASDAQ, it would have become $1,950. If you invested that money into the S&P 500, it would have become $1,761. And just for good measure, if you invested that same money into gold, it would have become $1,111. So for everybody that keeps on touting gold as a store of wealth, well, I'm just saying, it, it ain't like gold is somewhere to put my money. Anyway, I'm never putting my money in gold. And I think gold Bitcoin is going to go the same way as gold. But anyway, that's beside the point. The point is the market has been doing really good in the last year. If you took $500 and put $500 into both Bitcoin and Tesla at the time when everything looked weird and at the same time, this would have been a super risky play on your part. Because Tesla had not become the company or is still not the company that everyone believes it to be. It still has a whole lot of hurdles. It's got to climb before it even meets up to the valuation that it currently has. But either way, if you had put $500 into Tesla and $500 into Bitcoin today, that $500 would be worth $8,221. However, why are we looking at the past? Because even in that moment when the market was falling and everything was haywire and every all that kind of stuff nobody was going to be thinking of doing any of that you have to remember the S&P 500 fell 34% in one month which is a faster crash than we have ever had in history but on the other side we had the fastest recovery that we have ever had in history when we recovered out of that crash as well I remember coming on this podcast and being like Yo, how are we recovering this quickly? I kept on talking about it week over week over week that we are recovering faster than we've ever had in history. And that's because of the type of recession that we went into last year. And by the way, we weren't in a recession officially because a recession is just two negative quarters of growth in gross domestic product GDP. But the thing that saved the markets last year was Papa Powell got his printer going, and he was pumping so much money, and just like SpaceX, he took that thing to the moon, the amount of money that he printed, as a matter of fact, according to the Federal Reserve's calculation of money, about 40% of money that is in existence right, in existence right now was printed last year, which was necessary in order to save the economy, but at the same time, it was a whole lot of money that was printed to keep everything going. Plus five trillion dollars of stimulus money that was added into the economy, whether it was through the stimulus checks that you got or through bailing out the airlines or through bailing out certain companies and restaurants and those kind of things. Because guess what? People needed that PPP loan. People needed that help to ensure that they could continue paying their workers and continue putting food on their tables and just help people. Since you're telling them they couldn't work, you needed something to help them during these times. In the end, the thing you have to think about is Americans with investments have done very well over the last year, but however, for millions and millions of unemployed people, it is a completely different story. We talk about it week over week over week. Everyone keeps saying that we recovered from this downturn. We have not recovered from this downturn. The only thing that has recovered from this downturn is the housing market and and the stock market. As far as when we look at the actual economy itself, we still have over 10 million people that are still unemployed. And a lot of those jobs are possibly not coming back, unfortunately. And so when you keep looking at that, it's just not there, it's just not there. And even talking about how the economy has not yet recovered, let's look a little bit at the housing market. Now we talked about the housing market and how it exploded. <sighs> if you're looking to buy a house, this is not the market for you. I'm talking to myself here as well. Because I'm looking to buy a house and this market, this market right now is not for me. Although house sales are down 7% from February, Home prices have gone up the way, gone up just like the stock market have gone up, and they're right there in the moon, along with SpaceX and along with Tesla and along with all the other things that exploded last year. The median price for a home rose 15% in the last year, going from about $260,000 to $313,000. Typically in the real estate market, it goes up what, maybe 4% year over year? Like four to six percent somewhere in there year over year. So like my gosh, it is mind blowing. Every single state saw a double digit increase in home prices. I'm sad reading this because I just, I just want to buy a house. Like anybody want to give me money? Like, you know, just give me some money. I'm about to open a Patreon. So if you want to support the boy, just, you know, just donate a few bucks and help the brother out. I'm just saying. Also home inventory is down about 30% from where it was last year. And so when you do the the curve that I learned when I was in high school in macroeconomics, basically simple line of supply and demand. If demand is down and supply is plenty, price will be low. But if supply is high and demand is low, then the price will be low. But if demand is high and supply is low, Prices will be extremely high, which is what we're seeing right now. Also, combine that with the fact that interest roads, interest rates, roads like what? Interest rates are at historic lows. People are bidding up home prices like there's nothing else to do in their lives. It is becoming an extremely expensive market for anyone to buy from, which means that a lot more people who have been holding off and trying to buy a house are gonna be left out of the market again. The Mortgage Bankers Association Is expecting record mortgage purchases originations to increase to 1.5 trillion dollars this year 1.5 trillion dollars of new mortgages that will be opened up not refinances brand new mortgages that will be opened up so it's crazy man however we got to keep this in mind like i said earlier it looked like everything is doing well when we look at the the real estate market and we look at the stock market we look at bitcoin we look at nfts we look at everything that's exploding and there's a little but that we always have to keep track of something that we got to keep our mind on and keep looking at is something from the uh, federal reserve this is from chicago's federal reserve which monitors the national activity index they showed that the us economy is actually below trend of the growth for the first time is be- is trending lower for the first time since April when the, when the co- country was completely shut down. U.S. retail sales actually shrank 3% in February. Industrial production and cap, capacity. Oh my gosh, I cannot talk right now. Tell me why I cannot talk. But anyway, let's get back into it. Industrial production and capacity utilization dropped 4.2% Combining that with the manufacturing output being down 3% and mining output being down 5%. Combine all of those. That's a lot of industries that are still blue collar jobs that we have in the, in the U.S. Now part of that is probably affected due to the storm in Texas and due to some of the ice storms that have been going on in the world. Non-farm payrolls. Uh, payroll report showed 380,000 jobs being added however that is a little change when compared to what was happening in December and January these numbers are extremely weak February's decline wasn't an aberration either some people might say oh we're recovering it was just a little hiccup due to the storm like I just said but then they said this was not an aberration the index saw negative readings for production as well as personal consumption and housing all four categories decreased from January. Like we say all the time, GDP is calculated by both production, also by consumption, both by businesses and also by people, and then also by investments. The biggest chunk of how GDP is calculated is consumption by people, consumer spending. That makes up 66% of our GDP. So if people are spending less because they don't have that much money, because they're still trying to deal with how to handle this pandemic, how to do all their stuff. It means that the GDP and the economy is not opening up and is not doing as well as it probably should be doing at this point after recovering this much. It's just interesting to me because people if you listen to a lot of people on YouTube, they're like, Oh yeah, we recovered from the economy, da da da. da. Especially when it's a lot of young people who have just kind of made a bunch of money. They say, oh yeah, we've recovered for the economy, but the thing is like they're in a silo. They don't really know much about anybody outside of that silo. This is why, side note, it's very important that we keep a large circle. At least we know what's happening in the world around us. At least we understand what might be happening outside of our little bubbles. Because when we only look at what's happening in our bubble, we'll think that everything is fine in the world. And we'll never understand what else other people are dealing with or what other people are going through. So it's very important that we find ways to be able to expand our bubble so we know what's going on. I'm not saying you gotta, you gotta understand every single thing that's happening in the world, but just have an idea that what you live and what your life is is not necessarily the same thing that somebody else is going through. And we're seeing that with some of the numbers that the Chicago, I was about to say Chicago because now my Nigel voice was about to come on and be like, Chicago, you know, Chicago, the one up there in the north is very cool. Anyway, let me stop. The Chicago Fed was uh, reported. Continuing on the note on Chicago in Evanston, Illinois, which is close to Chicago. Look at that. Don't y'all love it? Don't y'all love that transition? That transition was so smooth is about to vote uh, a vote is taking place in the city to determine if for the first time in american history reparations will be paid to african americans notice i specified that this was the first time that reparations will be paid for africans african americans i don't know why i'm butchering everything today for african americans this is however not the first time that the united states has paid reparations for anybody who doesn't know United States history, they paid reparations when they started putting Japanese Americans into concentration camps. We talked about that in the past. Basically, they paid them reparations because they forced them to close their businesses and all this other stuff, and then they repaid them during the World War II era and, you know, they were like, oh, we were sorry for being racist and for being jerks and for being dicks and Pushing you guys in concentration camps and basically doing the same thing that the Germans were doing that we're fighting about, but not handling the same thing. Yeah, black people have never experienced that because every time they were like, Oh, yeah, we're gonna do this reparations. You have a guy like Andrew Jackson who's like, Nope, we're not doing that. Close that thing off. We're definitely not doing that. That is definitely not happening, and so that has not happened for the longest time. But this might be be changing especially after everything that happened in 2020 2020 was like a major melting year it was just like everything happened we had the pandemic we had a race relations discussions we had a lot of those issues especially after the deaths of george floyd brianna taylor ahmed a lot of discussions started coming back and being like yo what about them reparations what about them reparations because it's not just with the reparations it's not just that it's also the fact that we've had issues like redlining which one of the ways that people have been able to build wealth in the United States is through real estate. And when they basically came up with federal rules that excluded an entire group of people from being able to participate in the expansion of the United States economy and basically just subjugated them to being not able to have any of that, of course, we're going to have such a massive wealth gap. As a matter of fact, the average... White family makes over, is worth over $400,000 more than the average black family. That's not, that's not just like, oh, it just kind of happened. No, that's because of things that have happened over and over and over again. And if anything that I'm saying bothers you, I'm sorry, go do some research, go learn a little bit. I know we didn't learn any of this stuff in high school, but y'all keep telling me that college and school is useless and you can learn anything online. So yeah, go, go learn online. Because you can find a lot of this information, it's readily available, we got the internet, ain't nothing hidden, you can learn. Go learn about this stuff. But anyway, the vote will decide the distribution of $400,000 to black families that lived in Evanston between 1919 to 1969, or at least those whose ancestors did. Also, for those that can prove that redlining, like I mentioned earlier, hindered their ability to buy a house in the past, they will be given $25,000 either towards a new house or to upgrade their current homes. And for those who are asking, how are they going to be able to pay for this? Well, they're getting a whole lot of dollars due to the fact that they just legalized marijuana and they taxing the crap out of that thing. Like they hitting that marijuana with the, like slap, just putting so much tax on that thing. Now, some people still believe that this is not enough as far as the reparations are, are beginning. I say that it's a, good starting point. It should not be the end point, but it's a good starting point to at least help a lot of people that have been basically been told you're useless, you're worthless, you don't deserve to have any of these things for generations upon generations. Now let's go into the business stuff and some of the stock stuff. So the biggest news this week from as far as the stock market is concerned is a big railroad acquisition where we're connecting the north to the south, where we're connecting Canada all the way to Mexico, the Canadian Pacific Why why can I not talk? The Canadian Pacific Railroad announced it will be buying Kansas City Southern Railroad for about $25 billion. This will be the largest acquisition so far this year. This is big because it will be the first railroad to connect Canada All the way to Mexico and with the new USMCA trade agreement if you don't know what that is go look that up it's basically the US Mexico Canada trade agreement that's literally what it is that was signed into law last year trade is expected to explode between these three countries rail is still the second highest way of transporting freight behind trucks by the way did you know that 63% of all goods are transported by trucks did you know that in the United States at least I didn't know that. I only found that out because I read this article and then I did some research and was like, what? 63%? Man, Tesla might be onto something with their uh, trucks that they're trying to come out with. But anyway, besides that, and rail is the second largest at just 18%. So, however, the deal might not go through because it still has to get approval from the United States Surface Transportation Board which has not always looked favorably upon previous attempts by Canadian railroad companies to buy U.S. rail companies. So when can we expect to hear something about this acquisition? Not until the year 2023, because whenever any of these things goes through, it never actually comes to fruition for years upon years. I mean, last year we heard about Slack being bought by Salesforce. That still hasn't been approved. So, you know, who knows when that's going to be approved? It's going to take some time. Speaking of acquisitions, Microsoft is looking to acquire Discord for about $10 billion. This would be the biggest deal since Microsoft bought LinkedIn back in 2017. Remember Microsoft last year also bought the game publisher ZeniMax, if that name means nothing to you. They are the owners of Bethesda Studios for about $7 billion last year. Microsoft continues to find ways to diversify itself and also to find ways to provide more value for its large customer base and for both its consumer division and also its corporate division. An acquisition of Discord shows that Microsoft is very serious about making gaming a key aspect of its growth. However, Discord has also held talks with Epic and also with Amazon. And also, Discord might just end up going public on their own. So, you gotta put all that into context and be like, we don't really know what's happening. Right now, they're just having talks about... Oh, well, we want to buy you guys. You guys are worth $7 billion. We'll buy you for $10 billion. How about that? You walk away with a nice $3 billion profit. How about that? How about that? You want to sell? How about yourself? Moving on from there, let's talk about my favorite investing platform, which is M1 Finance, which just raised $75 million from a Series D funding on March 9th. They are approaching $4 billion under management. I think they're about a 3.8 something- billion dollars under management, which is massive for a startup that just started back in 2015, if I'm remembering correctly. M1 is my favorite platform, and their stake to fame is the fact that they are an alternative to the gamified nature of Robinhood, but also an alternative to the investment stalwarts of Fidelity and Charles Schwab. However, M1 does not just want to be an investment platform. They want to be your one-stop shop for all things money. They already have things like M1 Spend, which is their checking account. And then uh, the CEO, Brian Barnes, says that we'll move into other forms of borrowing, whether that is mortgages, HELOCs, personal loans, and auto loans. They're already moving into the credit card space, so they might be able to have higher rewards, higher spending limits, and more personalized things. I, for one, i am a huge fan of this platform. So if anybody knows the CEO, Brian Barnes, Please hook a brother up so I can get him on the podcast and I can ask a few questions about M1 Finance because I just want to talk to the dude because I think his dude is very smart. So if you got a hookup and you know how to get in touch with Brian Barnes, because he's not on Twitter, so you know, if you know how to get in touch with him, let the brother know so I can get him on the pod and we can have a discussion about M1 Finance, about some of the things that are going on in the market and where he might be seeing the future of M1 Finance. Moving on from there, apparently, everybody, speaking of investing in the stock market, everybody just throwing their stimulus money into the stock market. Deutsche Bank estimates that as much as $170 billion from the latest round of stimulus payments will flow into the stock market. So that is good because, you know, I love when people are starting to invest and starting to plan for the future ahead. However, I just hope everybody's not just like YOLOing it into things like GameStop or AMC or BlackBerry or any one of these other meme stocks or something like that. Make sure that you're doing your due diligence if you are investing and you're doing the things that are best for you. And plus, remember, there's a hierarchy when it comes to investing. First, you want to start off with having an emergency fund. Do you have that? No, then you probably shouldn't be investing. Then paying off your debt. You got that? No, then probably pay off your debt. And then start off with investing. And even with investing, you want to start off with Roth IRA so that way you don't have to pay taxes on that money you know so just keep that in mind if you are starting to invest in the market the next topic I want to talk about is taxes I've been told and people always say that two things are certain in life death and taxes and now I'm gonna rebut that whole thing taxes is definitely not one of them taxes is definitely not unavoidable and it's definitely not certain so let let me put this into perspective The wealthiest 1% of the United States households failed to disclose about 21% of their income, according to a new study by the IRS researchers and economists. Per the IRS, because some income is not reported directly to the IRS like when you get paid for your job, they are able to avoid paying taxes using sophisticated methods like using offshore accounts, which has helped about $16 billion of tax income. To be basically now reported. Using pass-throughs, pass-throughs like businesses such as LLCs to move money through, which perfectly legal and is something that I am now learning how to do. So two ways that people usually avoid taxes in the 1% is one, they just offshore that money. They find a way to get it out of the country as quickly as possible so they don't have to pay taxes on it. Or two, they use LLCs, which is something that I'm gonna be honest, I'm trying to learn how to do. I I'm going through that process right now because if you can make a purchase through that and then you can count it as a business cost, you can get some tax write-offs because it's a capital expense for your business. So that's one thing that a lot of people are doing. But part of the reason that this has become such a huge problem is that the tax enforcement is not what it was once upon a time. The IRS has lost about 15,000 workers in the last decade, meaning there are less audits of people's businesses. There is less pressure on people to actually file their taxes properly because when they know that there is less audits going on, they don't really care to actually chase down any of it. Which means, like I said last year, It is much cheaper for the IRS to go after somebody who owes like $1,000 on taxes than it is for them to try and chase after people who owe like $1 million in taxes because those people will hold it up in court and those people always know a finesse and that means it costs the IRS way more money and why would the IRS waste their time when they know that they can get somebody else to be on a payment plan paying interest on top of it and then get some of that money back. And so this is how there's just two worlds. There is a world for those who have monies, and like I said, once upon a time, rules are just suggestions when you have a lot of money. When you have a lot of money, you don't necessarily have to abide by all the rules. It's just suggested because you can basically find ways to get yourself off. So that's just one thing to note when it comes to the whole thing of taxes. The agency's commissioner, the IRS commissioner, Charles Rettig, asked Congress for more funds, arguing that for every $1 spent on enforcement, returns $5 five to $7 of taxes. Collecting unpaid income taxes from the 1% could bring in about $175 billion into the treasury annually, was the conclusion that the IRS came to. So, you know, I'm just saying, taxes are not necessarily unavoidable. Taxes are not certain. You can find ways to avoid it. There's a lot of people who do that on a regular basis basis so anyway that's all i got for y'all i hope y'all learned one maybe two things out of this entire thing just to do a quick recap of everything that we talked about before we close the show out we started off talking about the fact that people are getting out and doing more with it but however that's not necessarily being reflected in the economy because we're having a a slowdown in certain things that are important especially when we look at personal consumption which makes up 66 percent of the gdp growth then we took a look at the fact that we might be seeing some reparations get paid out to people who live out in Evanston, Illinois. And then we talked about the big acquisition by railroad companies, talked about Microsoft trying to buy Discord. If that ever happens, we don't know. Microsoft has been striking out a lot. They struck out with trying to acquire TikTok. So we don't really know where that's going. But, and then we talked about my favorite investing platform, M1 Finance. And then we talked about the fact that people don't pay taxes anymore. So, But anyway, that's all I got. I hope y'all learned one, maybe two things out of this entire thing. And before I close out this podcast, I have to end it on a somber, somber, somber note. On Monday night, there was a shooting in Boulder, Colorado. Ten people were killed. We saw no mass shootings all of last year. But as soon as we start opening the economy back up and start seeing a version of normalcy, we went all the way back to normal to seeing more mass shootings. So once again, I'm going to leave this message with everybody. Just like I said last week, love your neighbors or just be good citizens. Love your neighbors or just be good citizens. I don't want to keep reading news about another shooting and another mass killing and another like, I, I don't, I don't want that. I'm tired. I don't want to have to talk about that. I don't want to view it. I don't want to see it. We've already been through an entire pandemic where we lost over half a million people, if not more, at this point. So please, love your neighbors or just be good citizens. Spread that with your personal community. Let them learn from the way you live so that they also can love their neighbors neighbors or just be good citizens. But anyway, that's all I got for y'all. I hope y'all learned one, maybe two things out of this entire thing. This is like the fourth time that I've said this. But I'ma catch y'all later. Remember, generosity is always greater than greed. God bless each and every single one of y'all, and I'm out. Peace.